0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Oscar Watch podcast, the podcast where we look back on past Best Picture winners for your reconsideration. I am your host, Stephen Bugia, and joining me is my loyal first mate and midshipman, Matthew Marchetti. How are you doing? Yeah,
1: loyal, right? Loyal, right now. We'll see about <laughs> so we'll, two we'll parts we'll of the way through how loyal <laughs> I am. Well, you and- know,
0: I you, you just have to do everything I tell you to, tell you to when I tell it to you, or else you're gonna get. Uh, you, you, I'm just gonna whip you. I'm going to kill you, and then I'm just going to whip you anyways, because I like that's the, how I roll.
1: Whipping. I like the whipping part, I'll tell
0: you that. I will do, then I won't whip you. Uh, I don't like that part. <laughs> yes, okay. That is. Well, um, Matt, how are you doing?
1: I'm great. Uh, Coming off a, a busy week in the uh, private sector known as high school.
0: <laughs> <It's> <laughs> nothing,
1: there's actually nothing private about the job I do as a high school teacher. I, I literally know Everything about these children and their lives—they're awful, terrifying, <laughs> horrifying. I—it's—it's oh, yeah. it's been. I was just telling you, it's been a—it's been a busy week. The seniors are um getting ready for their finals, so uh, as is typical of that time uh, of the year, everyone gets angry and fights yeah. happen, and police are—it just gets crazy. It's—I'm—I'm I'm happy. It's Friday. I'm very happy. It's Friday, and we're doing this.
0: <laughs> and let's I've, just put it. Let's just look at that. Let's leave it at that. No, I'm not. I'm not going to leave it at that. I'm guessing to cause us, to bring us into a segue that you would wish you could behave a little more like uh, Captain Bly ah. of the of this week's movie, Mutiny on the Bounty, and just yes, it just uh, abuse these kids into submission somehow. I I
1: think I might have channeled him a little bit.
0: <laughs> no. I think I
1: probably do without even knowing I'm I'm doing it. I, I certainly say things that feel very bly esque,
0: so. <laughs> with this little gravelly voice, you got those, you got those jowls. <laughs> I,
1: th- I think I'm going to come out in the hall hu- when there's a lot of kids massing in the hallway. I'm going to come out and go, "What? Clear, clear this rabble! Clear this rabble from the hallways!" I think I'm just going to do that from now on. Just like shove that's through. The way to do that.
0: I think yep. you should you should show up every day. Every day, you should just show up in a uh, in a captain's uh, outfit in the right. <laughs> in a British British Navy outfit. Just...
1: Don't tempt me. Don't tempt me, you son of a bitch. I'll do it. <laughs> and you know I will.
0: I know you will. Too.
1: I'll wear that outfit. I'll hire a boatswain. He'll just start smacking people with cat-o'-nine-tails. <laughs> <It's... laughs> I'll, I'll have no job in less than three hours.
0: Probably. That'd be fine. You know, but be it, worth it. Worth you know, totally. it. <laughs> yes. that, guy, that, that guy, by the way, was that his only job? It seemed to be his only job was to deal out punishment. He didn't do anything else I, on the ship.
1: I think so. And, like, 75% of the time, really enjoy it. And then, like just had a couple off days where he was right. like all right captain
0: <laughs> god this guy is a slave driver oh wait that's right uh-huh. anyways folks uh we <laughs> are discussing the 1935 best picture winner mutiny on the bounty directed by frank lloyd starring clark gable the inestimable charles Lott, and uh francho tone uh, among among many many others um Matt what is your experience with this movie or the and, and also well, the story yeah so
1: the uh my my experience with the film is I, I was really um taken by charles lawton's uh i think it was his the only film he directed the the nineteen fifty fives the night of the hunter um and then i found out he was a stage actor and 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 a, and a theatrical actor um primarily, so I went back and, and tried to find some films with him in it, and he had a, a film from 1932, Island of Lost Souls, which is a Dr. Moreau kind of riff where he plays the Dr. Moreau character, and I just, he just gets so into it, and I loved the performance so much, um, and I, I don't know why I, I went next to Mutiny on the Bounty, it's not a horror film, it's not really in my wheel, wheelhouse of like typical things I would watch, but I saw Clark Gable. I saw Charles Lawton sneering in every picture I looked at, and I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to watch that next. So that was probably um, a couple of years ago I, I had mm-hmm. seen both of those. So, um, yeah, and I, I mean, I, I enjoyed very much uh, both films for different reasons, which we'll get into. Um, and then as far as the synopsis goes, ugh, without getting, and you can probably correct me if I'm wrong, um, without getting too much into it, it's basically about a really brutal um British captain aboard the H.M.S. I don't actually know if it was the H.M.S. at the time. I read somewhere that it was, it was something different, and you might it be was, able to I think it was,
0: it was RMS. R.M.S. Yeah, yeah, or RMS. there
1: was something about armored in there. I don't, I don't recall. But either way, it's a big ship called the Bounty, <laughs> and Captain Bligh, played by Charles Lawton, is is the head of the ship, and he's very brutal and um, rules kind of with fear and intimidation, and he sort of uh, attracts the ire of um, his First mate, I guess. I, he calls him some something else.
0: Uh, yeah, to me, he was just first mate. Uh, it's Clark Gable. It's, it's, yeah. First
1: mate. We're not. We're not up with the nautical terms, people. So all you people from Connecticut with your boat shoes, you can just go suck it. Because I'm from Connecticut, and you know what? <laughs> and I got out. Um. So so he attracts the the ire and the attention of, of Fletcher Christian, played by uh, Clark Gable, and uh, basically things build to ahead to the the title moment, the <laughs> mutiny, and uh, then. Things get a little crazy from there. So. Yeah,
0: it was. Um,
1: I'm just gonna trail off like that because
0: it's real sexy. Oh, it is very, very sexy. I had not seen this movie. Um, was just, just based on title alone. I, th- I was familiar with the incident because it's, mm. it's just one of the, It's one of those like the Titanic. It's one of those seafaring adventures that you, you hear. You don't know anything really about it just like oh there's a ship called the bounty and there they, they had a mutiny on it it's obviously what happened uh, but there's so much more so much more to it. it is based on a uh uh based on a real incident which and then this movie was based on the book that was based on that incident the book is not it's not it takes a little liberties with historical accuracy and we'll we'll get to that later but uh long and short of it new i had not seen this film before doing it I am really a terrible host in that regards and that I have not seen a lot of these movies beforehand, but that is also why we are doing this show. Uh, because, Shots, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel I, I feel as I have seen Charles Lawton in some things. I think Night of the Hunter is probably may only may be the only thing. Uh, but definitely, I've seen Clark Gable. Yeah, he is one of the—he's one of those people who has appeared in at least three Best Picture winners. He, uh, this one, it happened what happened one night the year before, and of course, Gone with the Wind in 1939. He was one of the biggest stars of the 1930s. We are going to take a short <laughs> break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the Academy Award that Mutiny on the Bounty won. Wasn't that mm-hmm. kind of mysterious, people? Well, you should stick around and listen to us and see why I said that. Mm The Academy of Motion
1: Picture Arts and Sciences is a pleasure to present this award to you for producing the best picture of 1935, Mutiny on the Bounty. (laughs) Mr. Capra, it is obvious but nevertheless true for me to say that I'm happy that Mutiny on the Bounty won this award. And the several thousand men and women who played in this picture, I'm sure will share this happiness with me. Most of all, I know that Frank Lloyd, the great director of this picture, Albert Lewin, my associate, Great writers, Talbot Jennings, Harry Wilson, and Jules Firthman, and those magnificent
0: actors,
1: Charles Norton, Clark Gable, and Frances Tone.
0: Mutiny on the Bounty has the distinction of being the last film to win only Best Picture. So, unfortunately, we can't talk about what else it won because it only won the one. However, it was nominated for seven other awards that year and matt can you please tell us what those were
1: yeah i sure can steve i don't know i don't know i don't know why i'm talking like that now
0: <laughs> just, you did, that was, un- just, was unnecessary really, really. I, well, just just, that's just say the list of what just. i do is unnecessary <laughs> <laughs> with enthusiasm
1: All right, so the seven additional nominations, uh, interestingly enough, three of them were for Best Actor. And I feel like there's a bit of history post this movie. Did they change it to a supporting actor category after this at some point?
0: Yes, both. uh, So actually Clark Gable, Charles Lawton, and uh, Francho Tone were all nominated for Best Actor. Uh, There was no supporting actor category, and it was for this very film. Was the reason why we the next year they introduced that category? Because would we really call Franco Tone a leading actor in this regard? Like yes, Clark Gable and uh, and uh, and Lawton, sure. But mm-hmm. so um they uh they changed the rules. Ultimately all three of them did lose to uh Victor McLaglen for John Ford's The Informer. Another great movie from that year. Mm-hmm. What else was it nominated for?
1: So Frank Lloyd, as you mentioned before, is the director. He was nominated for Best Director. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had Best Writing Screenplay from three people, actually. Jules Furthman, Talbot Jennings, and Carrie Wilson. Uh, Best Film Editing, Margaret Booth. Okay. And I believe Best Music Score, which was I believe went to Nat Finston. There was a mention of uh, Herbert Stow- Stowhart as well. I don't remember what that was for. I guess, oh, so uh, Nat Finston was the head of the department, it says, and then Herbert Stowhart was, I guess the score was actually by him, but I think Nat Winston was the one who
0: accepted the award. Okay. I believe. That'll work. That will work. Yes, um, Frank Lloyd, he directed uh, a previous Best Picture winner, uh, Cavalcade, uh, I believe 1932, Hmm. 31. But he was also a very prolific director during the silent era, and one of the few to make the transition over. Uh, he has uh, hundred, I think, at least hundred films on his uh, very Jeez, long yeah. resume. Uh, very impressive. Most, uh, most of which I imagine has been lost to time, which is the sad state mm-hmm. of affairs of things pre uh, pre sound, because just to the way the uh, it was processed back back then. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so you and the bounty. One, one, only one winner. Let spot. I believe Spotlight won two. I think two years ago, but generally, generally, most of them will pick up two or at least three awards, depending. Uh, so it makes Mutiny on the Bounty uh, one of the outliers. The common occurrence back in the thirties until I think they they lessened the amount of nominees because the amount of nominees this year were, were many. Matt, what else was nominated that year? <laughs> like you
1: said, there's a a, a lot of them. Um, unfortunately, only a a few I had heard of. And I, again, I feel I feel a little bit bereft here. That uh, the other best picture nominees were Alice Adams, uh, Broadway Melody of nineteen thirty six, which a is mouthful. a yeah,
0: is a indirect sequel to the Broadway Melody, which was the second best picture, which we covered in this show. My uh, former co host Alex and I covered it very early on. Uh, Some. Not a great movie. Uh, (laughs) Certainly not. Certainly has not held held up to the test of time. But uh, you know the song's okay. There's the the one song they sing over and over and over 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 again. But you know it's it's like the (laughs) second. It's it's the second year of sound or something. So it's still a big deal. What else?
1: So I had. uh, I'm gonna do the ones I haven't seen and end with
0: the ones I have seen.
1: So David Copperfield. Uh, the Lives of a Bengal Lancer, which is something I now need to see. I yep. don't even want to know what it's about. Don't say anything. I just want to see it based on the title, and its I'm sure it'll disappoint me regardless. <laughs> uh, naughty Marietta, something else I need to see completely out of context. Perhaps it's a double <laughs> I bill.
0: Believe uh, it, I believe I it's an opera. I believe it's an opera.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, well. You just might have taken the piss out of that one for me. Yeah. Uh, but I'll still see it regardless. Uh, the Ruggles of a uh, Ruggles of Red Gap. Uh-huh. I, I mean, I I wish I could. It, it sounds like the ravings of a drunk man. These movie titles. Um, but, it also uh, stars Tra- also
0: Gap. stars Charles Lawton.
1: Okay, well now yep. I need to see it.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And
1: and then the the last one I had seen was Top Hat, mm-hmm. um, which has a much more more chilled out title than the than the yeah. other ones. But the the films I had seen on well, the list. Well, we we were, we
0: do, we you, we do have to mention Top Hat because Top Hat's Fred Astaire movie. It has the famous song uh, "Cheek to Cheek," classic American, uh, uh, classic American, yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. yes. Okay. I've seen, seen, at least parts
1: of Top Hat, I guess, and I didn't yes. even know I had seen parts of Top Hat. All right,
0: more, so, what, so what, uh, happened, then, so what
1: happened? The films, the films from the list I had seen were. Um, uh Midsummer Night's Dream with with uh, James Cagney. <laughs> <I can just laughs> always remember Shakespeare class with James Cagney. I believe he plays Puck in that movie, and it is a weird bit of casting, <laughs> but it is it's very memorable for how I'll weird say, it is. I'll say,
0: I'll I'll drink to that. I'll drink
1: to that. Yeah, yeah. Was he Puck? He was Puck, right? I'm not making that. I up. can't. I sure. can't
0: imagine him playing anyone else other than like.
1: Oh no, I'm sorry. He was. Good. He was. What am I saying? Puck. Adam, it's he was playing. He plays Bottom, which is basically the the fucking character he's in a way. So he plays oh, Bottom. He's yeah. The,
0: okay. Oh, he's uh, okay. The Kevin. Klein, the Kevin. The, yeah, the Kevin Klein character. Yeah. The, yeah the he's remake. kind of
1: like the like the really fun role, and and Yes. Yet it's, okay. It's just means... <laughs> just, he's,
0: just, it's he's just he's the, He's, in just, in he's, that, ye- he's just yelling, yelling at everybody the woman, whole time. <laughs>
1: yes, he's very angry the whole time. <laughs> So I had seen that. Uh, it, it, other, you know, the James Cagney piece is very um, entertaining, but it's it's a good flick nonetheless. I had seen The Informer, as you mentioned. Uh, I had seen um, uh, Les Miserables. That's the way to pronounce it. That's the official French pronunciation, I believe, is Les Miserables, uh, which I had believe. Seen it, it, as well.
0: That 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 checks out. Also starring Charles Lutton? Yes, I think he, I, yeah, I, he I, I'm, all over I'm guessing he plays Javert because who who else would he would he be?
1: He does, yeah. If he, yeah, he's certainly not going to play. Yeah, he's Chauvet. He wasn't going to play Jean Valjean. No, I can't no, no, <laughs> imagine <if it's> the, <laughs> the handsome hero Jean Valjean. I can't imagine it. Uh, and then the last film on the list was a movie I really loved and hadn't thought about in a while, but Captain Blood with Errol Flynn. Mm-hmm. I oh, I love Captain Blood so so much. Uh, and it's interesting because it has a kind of similar, um, you know, content and thematic stuff with Mutiny on the Bounty. Mm-hmm. Um, Love yep. that movie.
0: Love it, love it. I uh, had, never, had never seen it. I just had down here Errol Flinch Swassbuckler from Michael Curtis, who would go on to direct yep. Casablanca, which an episode I yep. cannot wait to get to. Yes. Mm-hmm. This was also um, the last year of the write-in candidate, in which A Midsummer Night's Dream stole the award for best cinema. I don't want to say stole. It won best cinematography from from a write-in campaign. Oh, hmm. I I wish we could do that now. No, no I don't wish we could do that nowadays because then it'd just be awful, and <laughs> it'd be, some, bad. It'd be It'd be bad. But it, wouldn't it be kind of funny? It'd be, it'd be funny if like, and then and then it's just like Marvel movies start winning Best Picture. <laughs> over yeah, and, over and they probably, and I'm sure they would. I'm, I'm sure that they. would. I'm sure they would, and the, the whole process would be up in flames. Up in flames. And lastly, but, um, yes. uh, not- notable win. Betty Davis won for her excellent role in the film Dangerous. 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 <laughs> dangerous. Was it was Dangerous Man? <laughs> I'm dancing. You can't see me, but I'm dancing. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> <laughs> i really um, dancing over here. Uh, 1935 in the film had a couple of notable entries, in addition to some of the ones we mentioned before, like John Ford's The Informer uh you had the 39 steps which to me i think is a very oh. underrated hitchcock movie oh it's so cool. i love that oh. movie they they did a stage adaptation a couple of years ago oh it's brilliant so so wonderful yeah. just it's oh. quick it's it's peppy it's got a lot it's got a lot of charm to it a lot of charm and it's you know mm-hmm. kind of couched in a su- pseudo noirish feel but mm-hmm. it's a lot lighter than that Bride of Frankenstein obviously wonderful wonderful one of the uh, best sequels ever one of the best sequels all uh, ever frank whale great great film uh, the marx brothers night at the opera marx brother yeah just mm. wonderful uh you did i just put down here you have another dickens ad- adaptation because there was um david copperfield you have a tale of two cities and finally most importantly i think at least in terms of historical context you have lenny Reifenstahl's the triumph of the will <laughs> The German propaganda documentary about Nazis because it's 1935 and that's of course what we what we do. <laughs> but you know, there is some those are some films that have survived some test of time for yeah. better or worse, really, I think. Um the uh the, the Reifenstall yeah. documentary as at the is at the least and uh, it's Content aside, it's a very well-made documentary in terms of like the the um the style and the the techniques that it, it utilizes. But at the end of the day, it's you know about Nazis and how you can't really feel that great about it. But <laughs> Riefenstahl was a very good, is a very good uh, filmmaker. Ugh. Yep,
1: yeah. unclean. <laughs> Yeah, you got anything, you got anything
0: else? Anything, anything fun or like culty that came out this year that I might have missed? You're uh, dancing again.
1: Uh, I think there was a really there was a really um, good uh, adaptation of The Call of the Wild. I think.
0: Oh. Okay. If
1: I'm not mistaken, yeah, I'm not going to look it up. I'm just going to say yes. It came out in 1935, and if you want to, it came out in 1935. Yeah,
0: I, I appreciate you know i pre um, I, I appreciate your your enthusiasm and your certainty in that like yes it did
1: <laughs> you could see my face it would be just filled with insecurities and i don't know if that came out 1935
0: steve oh, right. uh so
1: that was one now now i'm looking it up because i'm angry yeah it did come out in 1935 and guess who starred as jack thornton in it none other than clark gable oh, so speaking oh, okay. of tastemakers uh, in that era the, another one we got a lot of films coming out um, you had mentioned Bride of Frankenstein, which is, like I said, is one of my favorite sequels of all time. It's one of the best horror sequels. It's, it's, I think, far superior to the original Frankenstein because it uh, isn't uh, constricted by the stage play version of Frankenstein. It takes more from the book, um, the original novel, and I think that that's all the better for it. Um, yeah. yeah, I love that movie. And then, you know, in that vein, uh, there was a great, really loose adaptation of The Raven from 1935. It's really like grim and depressing and
0: uh, it, Edgar Allan
1: Poe. Well, I don't say violent, poem? suggestively violent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a film. It has nothing really to do with the poem, um, <laughs> okay. other than some small little hints here and there. But it's a damn good horror flick, nonetheless. Uh, Mad Love, another great horror film from 1935. I think with Peter Laurie. Um, yeah. there's a couple kind of more low, more low rent, um, monster flicks: Werewolf of London, and Mark of the Vampire. The two I'm thinking of. Um, Mark of the Vampire, one of the only other times that Bela Lugosi played uh, Dracula, um, or played, yeah, he played Dracula, even though it wasn't an official kind of version. He still played him, so it's mm-hmm. kind of historical in that sense. And then another really good Karloff Lugosi flick, uh, The Black Room. So I don't know mm-hmm. if any of these movies are really fun. Well, Bride of Frankenstein is really fun, Steve. Yeah, Bride of Frankenstein, that's
0: is. a fun movie. It is a, it's a fun movie. Uh, the other ones, uh, I'll take your yes. word on it. Yes. Horror horror film in this in this studio age is very odd. Yeah. oh yeah and, the, and oh the code the Hays code it's it, it, i think was just starting so they were even more restricted by what they could show on screen had to get creative with it yeah. but that is a conversation for another day the conversation today is about mutiny on the bounty and when we return from this short break we're gonna get right into it. we're gonna get down down below decks start talking about it Ooh. oh you like <laughs> that don't you that. yeah i yeah,
1: like the, the below decks part yeah yeah
0: I, I know you do i know you're we're, okay we're leaving now
1: you sent for me, sir? Oh, yes. I got a job for you this morning. Sit down. Had your breakfast? Yes, thank you, sir. I want you to sign the ship's daybook, list of all supplies issued on the outward voyage, certify and sign. We should raise the islands any time now.
0: <clears throat> Not a bad voyage so far. All hands accounted for. Only six down with scurvy. Five with scurvy, one with flogging.
1: Correct, Mr. Christian. Does your credit. Five with scurvy, one with flogging. If we're still under canvas. Mr. Bly, I can't sign this book. No such amounts have been issued to the men. Now look here, you've signed a books before with a few extra kegs in the ship never carried? I have, sir. And why not? We all do it. We'd be fools if we didn't on a lieutenant's pay and I want to stow away enough to keep me out of the gutter when I'm too old for
0: service. I understand. The captain's prerogative. Ordinarily, I wouldn't mind. Why is this case different? Because the captains I've served with before didn't starve their men. They didn't save money by buying up the stinking meat that you put aboard a Tenerife. They didn't buy yams that was sick of a pig and force them on their crew. Silence! They didn't call them in thieves and flog them in the bone because they complained about it. You impudent scoundrel, Send that book! I refuse! And you have no authority that can make me. I haven't! I'll show you authority. Lay all hands out! All hands out! Very good. Matt, The Mutiny on the Bounty is based on a trilogy of novels that are loosely based on a real incident. I say loosely based because we take a lot of liberties with this. So it could technically be considered a historical film, so to speak, capturing a moment in time and uh there's a question I had with my former co-host Alex. Do you need historical accuracy in your movies to enjoy them? I mean as a teacher as a as a a a bringer of truth of some kind? do you require that in your entertainment and in stuff like this, or do you just need a good story
1: i I, I definitely don't require it. I mean, I don't think it's definitely a requirement as far as uh, entertainment goes. I think if you are trying to capture a historical moment, um, if it's if it's of you know import, it it should be historically accurate to a point. I, I would prefer let's just say this. I would prefer it to be historically accurate, but I understand that that can only go so far as far as as far as film medium goes. I think um, you have to kind of you know, zazz it up um for you know, for certain in certain respects. and uh, that I don't think a lot of people necessarily want to sit through a completely one hundred percent factually accurate, historically accurate version of mutiny on the Bounty. <laughs> um, I think that you have to have you have to have you know different tensions and things in there. So I don't think it's necessary um, for entertainment, certainly, but I always prefer it. I always feel better when I watch something that's historical or historical fiction or related somehow when I find out it's not. Uh, when I find that it is accurate, it feels mm-hmm. better to me. I feel like, okay, like I can talk about the film you know, as if it's kind of a, a part of the history of it rather than have to be like, well, the movie was good, but you really should go read about it because it's really not that accurate. Um, right. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. And are you familiar with the liberties that the film takes and the books take with uh, the event itself?
1: No. I could probably uh, point to some... <laughs> Yes. Yeah. It's I'm not, no, not, not, I'm not. Yeah.
0: It's, it's, it's actually a quick Wikipedia uh, thing. The most, the most damning, I think, because it's the crux of the film, is that apparently William Bly was, yeah, he was actually a bit more lenient than most British sailors were at the time. So the whole, the whole crux of the film being that he's this just hideous, sadistic monster who just abuses his men kinda of falls apart if it was just yeah, we're it's kinda of, if it's just Clark Abel and Charles Lawton just kind of hanging out and kind of <laughs> getting along. <laughs> it doesn't <it>, Yeah, <laughs> dra- drama is of course conflict and there's just no conflict there. It's just and then it's just the story of this ship that went on a you know, a mission to pick up breadfruit, which is cocon what is what is, is breadfruit coconuts or Mangoes, that's mangoes, what i thought <laughs> mangoes stuff. So they're, they're there to pick up some food and then bring it back for, for the sake of science and along the and then on the way back a mutiny occurs because it it doesn't really establish any stakes but i think you know the, when you talk about mutiny on the bounty you you talk about clark gable and we'll get to him but you obviously talk about mr charles lawton who they they built an entire boat. They basically built an entire boat. And I swear to God, the man eats every single inch of it. He just, he, he devours the scenery in this movie. Uh, what? Like, uh, is, is, do you, do you find, did you find yourself thinking like, this is a little, like Charles Lotton, you got to stop. This is a little too much. Just No, you're this, like, there's a reason, like, I know it's going to happen. It's not good for you. Like, stop it.
1: Yes, I think he... Um, I enjoy him very much in the film. I think he's very entertaining. Um, I think there's a maybe a bit too much... And this is pretty indicative of, of the you know early and mid-30s. There, there's kind of a holdover from stage productions and stage performances and, and silent film a, a, as well where kind of overacting and expressions and body language tend to be over-exaggerated um, because that's just what you had to, to do with. And I think, like any changing medium... You know, there's always kind of a holdover from that. And I think that a lot of uh, Lawton's um, stage work comes out here where everything has to be big and grand because you're not, you know, when when you're on stage, you're you're playing to people that are way back in the seats and you have to, everything has to be big. You have to project, everything has to be exaggerated because you have to see it. And it doesn't always work in in the film medium, uh, although it's damn entertaining to watch this man (laughs) shoot the scenery, I'll tell you that much.
0: It's it's certainly a pro- his acting is a product of the time. This is a good twenty years before Brando breaks out the uh, Stanislavsky the method acting uh, in in cinema, which becomes the norm. So this is this is just, uh, yeah, you know, like you say, playing you know, playing to the playing to the be- the cheap seats in the back, mm-hmm. and it it is mm-hmm. it is great. And I gotta say, the screenplay gives Bly some incredibly just heinous stuff what's some of your favorites because i got a, i got a list of some of the things he does now I, 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 there, there's there's uh, there's a one big thing that's just absurd to Talk about.
1: yeah well i think i think it was what we talked about earlier a little bit before we started but um i mean just the the kind of uh introduction to him you your they build it up a little bit and then he shows up and it's just Right down to business, and like one of the first things we see him do is officiate this this public flogging um, of this. I forget what the man did in the beginning of the film, but they 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 flog him in front of like everybody, and it, it turns out that the guy's dead before the flogging even starts, and he, he still has him flogged, uh, <laughs> just for for principle's sake. And it's like, I mean, if you're talking about introductions to characters, um, it's perfect. I mean, it really and it really sets up. In a really disturbing way, even for 1935, um, what his character is all about, and he kind of lays out his his, uh, his whole motivation about fear and and all that stuff. I mean, yeah, the all the the floggings, the beatings, the the, the locking ups, and and just these all these different terrible things. That, like I said, I still found myself um, disturbed by some of them, and and a lot of it is is the depiction of those things, but I think also a lot of it is just the the callous way Lawton delivers these punishments out—not Bly, yeah. I'm like, Lawton delivers. Them. He's <laughs> yeah. really into it, in some respects.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. For the those are, those are yeah, for the audacity of asking for water for his skinned-up, burned, mm-hmm. bleeding knees, Lawton just—he doesn't. It's not even. It's not even flogging. It's not even. We're gonna. We're going to like throw you down in the hold or, or anything like that. So it's like, no, we're going straight to keel hauling, which for those of you who may not be familiar, that's essentially you throw a man over the front of the ship on a rope and you send him underneath the ship, scraping alongside, and you pick him up on the back end. And maybe he's alive. He's probably dead. It is a, it was actually an anachronistic thing for the, the time period. The British Navy had stopped doing it many many years before but I'll be damned if it is not an effective piece of oh shit this guy is serious however it does uh-huh. I will say it does come it does come after the uh after a, a long series of him doing that and you just, I'm just like I I just can't even at that point it's like it's like it's it's basically like getting a news alert on your phone these days you're like fuck I just I don't even want to look at it like what the what has <laughs> what has the orange gibbon done this time I, just, I can't even <laughs> Fathom what heinous, awful crimes he's up to. I bet, I bet, Bly and Trump would be best friends. I bet he'd be great. Yeah, be best pals. Best pals. Best pal. But and Trump would totally, totally keelhaul someone if he could. Oh, if he could in a heartbeat. Probably, he, yep. he, at the very <laughs> least, at the very least, he at very least he would order it without a second thought. A second thought. Right. Um, <laughs> but for every every villain of the movie. There has to be a good guy, and the good guy here is, of course, the biggest Hollywood star of the time, Clark Gable as Fletcher Christian or Christian Fletcher. He's got he's one of those one of those assholes with two with two first names. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck you. I hate you. Um, and he's, I I gotta say, I gotta say, and I can forgive him again because it is pre Method acting. Clark Gable plays the shit out of Clark Gable in every single movie. He is. Basically the same character, just delivering different lines. And here the only difference is is that he did not have his uh, his, his mustache, which is one of his one of his things, what because mustache? because that would be period inaccurate. The uh, the navy demanded clean shaven men, and um, mm-hmm. people give Kevin Costner shit for not having an English accent in Prince of Thieves. Clark Gable does not even attempt anything whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> just 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 nothing they're supposed to be in the royal navy just it's just not happening it's it's ridiculous um it is it's a little ridiculous yes i i mean which which brings me to matt okay you're 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 on this you're on the ship you're going through you're going you've got you've been to heaven you're now back in hell who do you follow like does how why do you think people even follow Bly at this point when the mutiny occurs?
1: I think a lot of the people follow Bly out of just out of fear. You know, you, you want to kind of do the the, the ideal which is like it's honor, it's just it's what you're supposed to do as sailors, but I think a lot of them are just afraid. And and, and I think also a lot of them are they want to they want to Turn to England, and and mm-hmm. Christian's plan certainly doesn't feel like it's going to focus in on uh, as much on that. So combination of things, but I think I, I think there is some loyalty. I think there is loyalty, but I think it's loyalty based on fear, or fear based on loyalty, one of the other, or both. Um, yeah, I think fear, fear, and this kind of twisted loyalty that Bly sort of um creates in in some of his subordinates.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah. Who would you follow? If given the, uh...
1: oh Christian all the way. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Fletcher Fletcher Christian for for the win. Not, not just because he's Clark Gable. Look, Clark Gable's charming as hell. He's I like him very much. Clark Gable was also a, a notoriously aggressive homophobe in real life. Yes, and Charles Lawton was a very out there uh, homosexual at the time, and I can't help but think I'm putting my fists together at this point. I can't help but think that helped. With a lot of the uh, animosity between the two actors, um, I, I'm I'm sure it played a played a part in it. But even that, withstanding, that's Clark Gable, not Fletcher Christian. I would follow Christian just for the mere fact that you can't you can't stand um, by as people sort of intimidate and fear. I mean, you can. Um, we have the Ooh. orange one as president now, largely based on the fact that people were sort of afraid of a lot of things. Um, and I feel like that. That's a scary piece. And I can say that now from the safety of my house, not on the bounty, not with Blige staring me down. Um, I, I can't, honestly, Steve, I can't tell you 100% that I was on the boat. <laughs> I would like to side with Christian, but I don't know, me being me, if I if I would be able to see through that fear and intimidation and sort of take a stand. Right. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I would, but I would like to think I would, I would side with Christian just for the, for the feel of it, the, the sense that he's doing something He's fighting back against something. That's that's very yeah. wrong.
0: And essentially he's promising Tahiti, where there was plenty of food, nice, easy living, and lots of insanely attractive women. Just just mm-hmm. just in that nineteen thirties way that they are all about getting the white dudes. Just <laughs> totally fine. Because of course there has to be a love story in here. And it is problematic. Uh very much. Clark Gable being Clark Gable. Has the bed, the hottest woman on the island, ends up getting married in some way, has a kid. And when that is on the table, and it, it's either that or it's flogging, it's your captain stealing the cheese from you. I love cheese, I'd be very mad if cap captain took that. Cutting back rations just and just being a dick. I can, you know, is it worth, is home worth it? I mean, obviously right now, yes. Wife, wife and baby, just right outside. But if I were just some dude who'd gotten um, press ganged into this, like at the beginning of the film, uh, Tahiti sounds awfully nice. And if we gotta mm-hmm. overthrow a ship to do it, then, then, then by all means, so, do it. Let's do it. Absolutely, do it. So, Matt, I, th- I was you know watching this, and it's a long movie. It's over two hours which for the time, ex- ex- extremely long. There are actually three movies in here. You have the entire. You have the. The bulk of the movie is the events leading up to and just, maybe just after the mutiny. But then you have this incredible, not montage, but extended sequence of Bly and his loyal crew being sent off on this tiny mm-hmm. little friggin ship, this little boat. Mm-hmm. And I I have to say that in, in reading about it, it's actually in, in, his, in historical terms, it's one of the ballsiest. Uh, nautical voyages ever. Bly was an mm-hmm. expert sailor, expert navigator, and he took, I think, about a dozen men on this tiny little boat, which is not made; it t- it's basically a lifeboat. And he sailed 3,000 miles. And this is one of the, this is one of the things in which um, reality is far better than fiction, because what they don't mm-hmm. men- what they don't really get to, is that they landed on an island where people ate other people and they lost well, a couple of folks <laughs> yeah he, he does yeah. talk about that and like I want to see that because in that entire in that one little in that one little sequence there is an entire movie just waiting to be explored I think it could be fascinating because and it disappointed me for one reason this the, this, the second movie in that it it didn't seem to soften Bly at all I wanted to see a little character change there -hmm. But felt it never, it never. This was not a humbling experience. I almost became a humbling experience. But then, as soon as he got back on the on another boat, came back and found right back to it. Yeah, he's and and found and found the mutineers. He's just he's just right. He's right back into it. He comes back. He you know dicks them around. He sends them to trial. Almost gets them executed. And it's disappointing because I really wanted a change in the character. But there's nothing. He is Mm -hmm. he's a jerk at the beginning, and he is a jerk to the very very end. And finally the um and and finally the third movie is the uh, it's the trial on the island sequence it's what's basically happening to the mutine the mutineers uh, basically the B- bounty is a famous um nautical uh story because it helped change how the british navy operated <laughs> in um <laughs> up operated to towards its, its 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 crew. It's crewmen. It's it's all, all of all of the all of the sailors there. And that you can't you can't just be addicted to them. You get more flies with honey and rather than vinegar and, and all that. Um, mm-hmm. what do you think of what do you make of the island um scenes with Gable and the rest of them?
1: Oh, man. Um I like I like the sequences themselves just as a as, as a change of pace, a change of scenery. It's nice because it opens up the movie. It gives it kind of a bigger scope and scale than it already has, which is is a pretty big scope and scaled film. Um, I felt that the the kind of romance was, was just so shoehorned in. I, I knew it was coming. I knew the first yep. time I saw it. I knew it was coming because it's just it's just a it's just a mainstay in Hollywood. It still is. Um, but it just felt like it was a like a betrayal of the film. The film wasn't really about, and I'm not trying to be sexist, but the film was about, you know, these, these men on the ship and what they dealt with. And I feel like as as an interlude, it would have been fine, but it, it's a pretty lengthy sequence. I mean, there's just kind of two of them, I guess, right? But they're, right. they're pretty extended, especially the first one. Um, and I liked it because, like I said, it broke up the narrative and it, it did something kind of different with it. But then it just became about you know a little bit too much about the romance. I I did like that it opened up the it opened up um the the kind of plot plotline where he's there to sort of translate the Tishan language, correct? Correct. And I liked that it it gave him more agency in the storyline, and it gave him you know I felt I felt more of a respect for him seeing him sort of interact uh, diplomatically with the chief. Um, and it but it I don't know it just it felt. Maybe if it was just a little shorter, it would have been better. I, I I can't I can't say for sure. So I didn't hate it, but I just felt like I want to get back to the I want to get, want to, get to the mutiny. I want to get back to the ship and see where this is all going. And um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. There's also a lot of um. <laughs> I have to point out in the kind of two island sequences, for for a man who was notoriously homophobic as Clark Gable was. There's 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 a couple sequences with him and and
0: uh. uh tone. tones rancho
1: thank you you know exactly what i'm talking about too. but they're both like lying splayed on the beach shirtless next to each other admiring the, these beautiful women and they're like i know the framing of the film full frame requires actors to be a little bit closer but they're like really close to the couple <laughs> shots and it, i'm just like oh man this is there's a little homoeroticism going on here and then later they're like eating they're not feeding each other bananas they're but they're like eating bananas next to each other and i'm just like I'm not a comedy writer but I feel like this could just write itself if I really want <laughs> yes.
0: and what's uh, what makes those scenes more interesting is that Gable and Tone hated each other yeah. Gable uh, Franco Tone was married to um Joan Crawford but Joan Crawford had an affair with Clark Gable Tone was, Tone was just it was too bad he was just they just they did not get along until they discovered that they both enjoy booze and they both enjoy women, and that that just made them fast pals at the at least during the very long expensive and at uh, time very damaging shoot this, the the behind the scenes story of um, mutiny on the Bounty is actually pretty it's pretty exciting it's cost overruns and you know they they filmed the they filmed the entire sequence of with Lie on the on the lifeboat, and then realize that one of the one of the people there is not supposed to be there, so they had to go back and do it all again. Jeez, <laughs> uh, but I agree with you. The island, the island scenes do they help with the buy-in plot plotline, the Franchotone plot line plotline, um, which I feel like it then doesn't go anywhere. We don't get any payoff of you know somebody no. somebody being very happy that oh we now have the Tahitian language written down and. That's a that's a boon for humanity. It just gets brushed aside. The love, you know, I like the movie Master and Commander: Far Side of the World because it, yeah, yeah, because hey, it's a oh, oh, so fantastic. And in in a perfect world, that'd be that'd be the franchise and not Pirates of the Caribbean. But I like it because yeah, I they're just like they're like no, it's a movie that is very so much so much about men on a mission and they don't try to break it up with any um with any like long term romant- romantic subplots it's just these these guys out doing their jobs and there's something i find appealing in that um and this film is it's a very it's a very male male film there're barely any women there's mahani uh there's and meeti i believe their names are and uh it's it's a it's a movie that i think you can draw a lot of uh, themes and ideas about masculinity, especially uh, in the characters of William Bly and Fletcher Christian. And I think um, Bly and uh, the blind, Fletcher are are two sides of manhood taken to the extreme. Bly is a sort of strict authoritarian. He's the he's essentially the patriarchy exemplified. He's you know I demand fealty, I demand loyalty, or else I will punish you. He's essentially uh, he's He's the Old Testament God, if we want to get we want to get biblical. And well, Fletcher, he's you know he's he's Jesus. He's for the time. He's hip. He's cool. He wants his men to be free and happy from torment. Follow me. I am the light in the way. I'm going to bring you to Tahiti, and it's we're going to have a blast from now until and now until the end. Uh, he's more modern. Um, he's handsome. He's more charming. He's more diplomatic. He <laughs> is the he's. The new he's the new navy. He's what you come to think of sailors. You know, a sailor gentleman mm-hmm. as as it were. Um,
1: I, I I agree with what you were saying about the characters in this film. I also agree about Master and Commander that it I'm always fascinated with this idea of kind of uh this this dual theme of, of masculinity combined with isolation, um and, and just to see what what kind of men and, and people in general will will do it in kind of claustrophobic settings. Um, and I think both of these movies speak to that. Um, it's it's also what draws me to um, literature, like Ernest Hemingway's literature. I'm 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 not um, you know this kind of barrel chested masculine dude. I, I like to be myself, and I'm fine with that. But I'm also always fascinated with kind of these studies of uber masculinity, and I just because it's just not me in a lot of respects. Um, I I just I drew this. I was thinking you were talking about this movie. You're talking about masculinity, and I thought of. Um, just another another parallel to it, another film more recent to this, but um, 1939's Only Angels Have Wings um, with uh, Cary Grant and Gene Arthur. It's about um, guys who work, they work, uh, they're airplane, they're pilots, mm-hmm. airplane pilots, air, airplane plane pilots, you know what I mean. They, they, they're pilot planes, and they, fl- they fly the mail back and forth from this really isolated area, and it's a very dangerous flight. A lot of them die in doing that, and it's it's a very, it's a great movie. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting parallel. And I'm looking at the screenplay, and one of this, the, the screenwriter for Only Angels Have Wings, Jules Firthman, is one of the screenwriters for uh, and the Bounty. So it's not not surprising to see that because both have to do with really confined areas and and issues of masculinity and kind of this masculine code. Um, but I'm always drawn to things when when like I said, when there's a combination of kind of masculine themes and this idea of isolation. And that was, I think, the number one thing I was I really enjoyed about the film, um, the mm-hmm. duality between Blythe and um, Christian was great, and I just liked watching these kind of guys deal with uh, this strange scenario. And I feel like the best of friends could really be at the end of their ropes, uh, literally on a, on a <laughs> ship because you have nowhere to go. I mean, I can I can attest, and you probably can too, to, to bachelor parties and, and road trips and things like that, where you're kind of in in close confines with people and. You know, you're like, oh, I just can't wait to get home and get away from some <laughs> right. of these people. Because like, you know, they're great for a couple of days, but
0: then sometimes you're just like, I, I need my space, and and right. you know, and even, I, I like, like I miss my wife. I just like, <laughs> I <need> that <laughs> absolutely.
1: Miss my kids. I miss my wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's. I mean, I guess it's the same theme you just you just talked about, but with that added piece of isolation and or claustrophobia, whatever you want to call it. No, um, it, that's to me is like the number one thing I enjoyed about this film.
0: Yeah, it's the number one, the thing you enjoyed about this film. I just, you know, just I'm si- now, that, now I'm seeing a parallel there. You have men in a Antarctic ice base discover something, and they have they start turning on each other because there ain't nobody gonna be back, ain't, ain't nobody gonna back down from from that, and they all nope. mostly end not up those dying. those barrel chested <laughs> Not Kurt Russell and Keith David. Damn it. <laughs> nope, not a chance. You know, um, the film had been remade a bunch of times. Have you seen either the Brando version or the 19 I believe 1985 version with called Bounty that had uh, Anthony Hopkins and Mel Gibson in it?
1: I know I have seen parts of the um the Marlon Brando Trevor Howard version from I think it's like the early 60s uh but I don't <laughs> I don't recall yeah I don't recall that much um I I remember liking it and I and I'm pretty sure it was nominated for many Awards as well, Oscars, I believe. My memory yeah, serves. that's
0: about right. Uh, I don't think we've gotten sixty-two yet, so we'll see. Oh, well but yeah, say- I
1: haven't. I, I just, I'm, 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 pretty sure Marilyn Brando was the Fletcher Christian character, and Trevor Howard was the the Bly character. I feel like Brando wouldn't have done the <laughs> Bly character. Although it would be, an interesting, it'd be an interesting experiment to see him kind of mumble his way through a lot of things. So. Um, I have different. not seen the one, the other one you mentioned. The one. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen
0: that. One. Yeah. But, uh, apparently it softens uh Bly's character, which I think makes for a less interesting film. You know, just like as much as I want nuance, and sometimes I just want the bad guy to be a bad guy. Like I like I don't like I don't I, I don't give a shit why Darth Vader's Darth Vader. I just want him to ch- force choke some people. I don't uh, he does, does not need a backstory. Uh, but so it's you know, it was I was also made before this, it's been made after this. Uh, what is it about this particular story that makes it so enduring, you think, in terms of storytelling and um, history?
1: I think in terms of storytelling and in history in some respects, I think we like to see, um, you know, oppressed people sort of get um, get theirs. And we like to see the people who oppress them sort of get their comeuppance. Uh, there's always a, this sort of revenge fantasy that we we enjoy about watching you know, people who are like that. You know, small people who think that they're big, and and sort of abuse their power. I think we enjoy watching them sort of get theirs in a lot of respects. Um, and there is something about it's very similar to that. I think the conversation we had about on the waterfront, where it the sort of us versus them um, theme comes in, and and we feel like you know, you you want to you want to take a side with with the people who have been um, kind of pushed down, literally beaten down, uh, and and forced into service, like you were talking about. There's something really um, just interesting about that. There's something that anyone, I feel like, you can get behind. Um, and I think there's a sort of again, we've talked about this all eight times now, <laughs> um, but there's a sort of universe universality to that that theme. At least I can't um, vouch to saying <clears throat> that I have experiences um, similar to the characters in this film, but I can vouch for, for for feeling like you know people who the people who make a lot of the decisions in our lives don't always have our Best intentions in mind, um, and I think there's definitely tons of parallels in 2017. Um, we've already talked about a few of them uh, that you can draw. You can draw to that. So I think that's why I, I think you could show that, and I, I think immediately you would know, like you said, you just said about Lawton, you are about the black character. You would know who the villain is, and you know who the hero is. And there's sort of a safety in that that we like. We we feel like, okay, I understand these two people now. I want to watch their nuances play out for a couple hours and see what happens. Yeah, um, and it's fun.
0: It is. It is fun, and hear me out. What do you think? What do you think of this mutiny on the bounty in space?
1: Well, well, we should totally do that. I, I don't need to hear anything out. Let's make that right now. Let's let's do this. Let's make let's make that damn thing. Are you serious? I mean, I feel like it's. It's funny you say that, but I. Feel like this sort of storyline plays out in almost every space film you know something like alien where they kind of they're claustrophobic everyone gets at each other's throats and they they sort of there's not necessarily a mutiny but um it certainly feels like that plays out a lot i could think of like we talked about a while back with um i don't know what i don't know what film we were talking about but it came up with um something like event horizon another space movie where Hmm. you have sort of these space sailors and everything that's going on with them um so i i feel like that's it hasn't there hasn't been a remake of it but feel like that's a, a a theme again that we've we've already we've already seen. So again, the film draws parallels to to more modern
0: stuff, which is pretty neat. It is. It is indeed. And on that note, the question we ask each week: Did mm. *Mutiny on the Bounty* deserve Best Picture?
1: Oh, man. Every time, every time, Steve. Um, I feel like for the some of the reasons we just talked about the universality and some of the themes um, and the connection between the characters, that part of it, which I like on the artistic side, and then the sort of Titanic argument that it's just a big production, very impressively made, very impressively acted, tons of extras, these huge ships, um, special effects, and just all that stuff that makes going to see movies the, the best thing in the world. I think those two things kind of collide here where it's it's interesting. There's historical connections, and it's just a damn entertaining film in a lot of respects. Um, I think with those things combined, I, I would say yes, it does it does deserve. I'm not even thinking about the other films nominated, um, but I really I really seeing it a second time, I really enjoyed it for for a lot of reasons, and I could imagine seeing this in 1935 and really being kind of bowled over by kind of, kind of many of the aspects of the film, even with oh, yeah. some of the shortcomings we've talked about. I feel like it it still does the trick, so for me, yeah it does deserve mm-hmm. this picture yep.
0: for me, the mark of a film that works is one that eighty two years after it came out, it can still kind of excite and thrill you and I found myself genuinely thrilled at mutiny on the bounty, so um it's maybe like it's well acted for the time it's you know it seems kind of quaint and hokey nowadays, but and bring yourselves back like this is this is a spectacle unlike any other at the time i think it was one of the most expensive movies possibly yeah i read that and it's just it's just it's thrilling it's a marvel you gotta see it on the big screen it's one of those things that is and it's it's a movie yeah but it's also an experience and it's one to be had and it's one i'm glad i did enjoy i wish i could see it on an even bigger screen than i than i did mm. And so, um, yeah, like the the char- we have broad characters. Broad characters can make for a lot of um engaging and timeless and timeless stories. So yes, Mutiny on the Bounty, I think, absolutely did deserve the best picture of 1935. And I think it, uh, there are many aspects that still work. And yeah, I, th- I think it can be counted amongst, uh, you know, some of the some of the some of the better the better ideas the Academy has had over the last 90 or so years. Mm-hmm. So that has been Mutiny on the Bounty for our next show, our next episode next week. Let us see. We are going to do oh, do we want to do a regular? Do we want to do a foreign film? Do we want to do a animated movie? Or do we want to do a film that was nominated but did not win?
1: Well I I I chose last week, so if you want to choose this week, it's fine. I'm always kind of turned on a little bit, um, sexually and intellectually, by the the movie that was nominated but didn't win. Um, that's just I, I find that's fun to sort of defend, you okay. know I mean? defend the film against something that that was the winner. Um, so that would be where I would go to. But if you want to choose otherwise, I'm cool.
0: That's okay, if that if that's where you want to go to, then all right, there is a, there is a movie I have been uh, I don't want to say dying to talk about, but kind of been dying to talk about, and that is from 2015. Uh, and I think you might know which one I'm talking about. Lost the spotlight, but won the most awards that night, and that is Mad Max: Fury Road. You sh- you're shaking your head. I mean,
1: I, <laughs> I know I can't even. I need to. I need to put everything down. I've wet everything on me. All my clothes are <laughs> soaked through at this point. Uh, I'm scratching like a coke addict at this point. I don't even know what to do. <laughs> black and white version to watch the
0: color to watch both you watch both you watch both. <laughs> okay okay he's freaking out he's freaking. Out. okay all right it's a great it's a great we're gonna do it we're doing all right next week we're gonna do our first uh, episode that we're gonna call uh, for your reconsideration just because i like that whole thing mad max fury road from 2015 lost to spotlight you have been listening to oscar watch you can find us at oscar at oscar watch pod on all the uh, social media. So you can write us an email at OscarWatchPodcast at gmail dot com, and be sure to like, subscribe, and give us a review on iTunes. It really does help people discover the podcast. Matt, where can folks read your stuff?
1: You guys can find me on Instagram, thegram at uh, movie underscore matinee matinee with two T's. It's usually linked to all the Oscar Watch Pod stuff too that 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 uh, Steve posts on Instagram. So you can next to me there i uh, try to do a movie review a day and just other fun nerd stuff i think i have uh adventures and babysitting going mm, up tonight oh, nice. so uh prepare yourself for that one uh, yeah and nobody get out here without singing the blues close personal friend
0: yeah. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah hey <laughs> anyway. yep. <Anyway>. yes perfect <laughs> find him read that stuff it's great you will be entertained this has been Oscar Watch. Thank you for listening. And until next time, as always, clear this rabble out of here. What will we do with the drunken, what with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? Or lie in the morning. Way, hey, up upsure rises. Way, hey, up sure rises. Way, hey, up upsure rises. Lie in the morning. Shave his belly with the
1: rusty razor.
0: Shave his belly with the rusty razor. Shave his belly with the rusty razor. airline in the morning. Way hey and up she rises, way hey, and up she rises, way.